Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Pride podcast we call From the Podium, where you get to hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. No editor show today because of Election Day. I hope you had the opportunity to vote, but we do have a From the Podium for you. So you get to hear from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid from his Monday press conference. And then on Tuesday, Chiefs President Mark Donovan joined the Kansas City media as Arrowhead Stadium is a polling location. So first up, here is Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. I thought overall it was a good, solid performance uh, by the the team, good team effort. I thought, again, all three phases – um, contributed and, um, and played well. So I thought there were some nice adjustments that took place. Coordinators had a good game plan, the, and then they made a few adjustments during the game, and that, that helped too. Um, so, again, um, without picking uh, one person or one side of the ball, I just thought overall it was a good team team win that time, sure. Go first, Sam Ellinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Andy. Uh, you, you guys had the fourth and one um, that, that you went for yesterday. I'm just curious. Maybe this is a little off the wall, but has your calculus changed in those situations about the quarterback sneak um, after what happened uh, in, in Denver last year? Um, uh, if I was honest with you, I'd probably tell you, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I hate to admit it, but um, that didn't work out so well. So. Uh, and I think we have other things that we can do. Uh, we didn't do very well yesterday with it, but uh, for the most part, we're pretty good with it. Pretty good with it. Yesterday wasn't good enough. Let's go next to Sarin Petro. Good, Sarin. Uh, Coach, uh, the fake field or fake punt, I'm sorry, for the uh, first down. Um, I know a lot of guys, that'll be something that they, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe just a hot call if it's out there. Was that something that was planned or was that something, you know, that was called from the sideline or is that just a read the guys did on the play? Yeah, so we've had it up for the last couple couple weeks. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, we were going to do it right there. So Dave, Dave put it on and, and, um, and we went with it. So we have other, we have ones where we do read things, but. Um, this one here was <clears throat> predetermined. So let's go next to Herbie Teope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. Good morning. Obviously, the trade deadline is tomorrow, and so this is the obligatory question every year around this time. How, how active do you think the team will be, and how unique is it this year, especially given the, the COVID circumstances? Yeah, um, I mean it's unique, uh, but there have been there's been movement, and. Um, I don't know what takes place here the next couple of days, uh, whether it's here or anywhere else, but <clears throat> there has been movement. Um, it, it's, I guess it's somewhat unique and just from the testing standpoint, what you have to get done before the player can uh, actually get on the field. So, um, but it's, 
we'll see how it goes here the next couple of days here, next day or so. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Andy. Um, there are quarterbacks out there, obviously, who can make a, a lot of big plays, and there's some who are good at avoiding turnovers and other mistakes, but very few like Pat who can do both of those things at a really high level. Can you can you maybe go into a give us an example of some of the, what he does so well that allows him to marry those two things really well? And Brad will have one quick follow up too. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got uh, great vision um, and most of all feel in the pocket, just uh, on where things are happening and the pressures are coming from, and and then. Um, well, you know, obviously when he's out in space, it's great for young kids to <clears throat> watch him when he when he breaks the pocket that his eyes are always downfield. Uh, and and to be able to do that with confidence, you've got to know where everybody's at and and uh, have trust in the guys. And, and he does a nice job. Nice job with that. OK, and uh, looks like you're going to be playing against Christian McCaffrey on Sunday, assuming he's coming back this week, which I think he is. Um, what were your thoughts on him when he was coming out in the draft that year? And would he have been a guy you may have considered had, had Pat not been available there for you guys? Um, sure. No, he, he, uh, he would have fit in the offense well. I, I think probably every coach would say that in this league. He, he, he was a heck of a college player, and uh, he's sure doing a nice job in the NFL. So we'll have to make sure we know what's going on with him. Not that David, you know, their their other running back is doing very well too, filling in for him. So uh, they have a they have a really, uh, along with the receiver that also plays running back. Um, so they've got three guys there that are uh, really talented players. By the way, nice hat. I appreciate you breaking that out. Let's go next to Aaron Ladd. Go ahead, Aaron. Coach, looking at the stat sheet, uh, it just kind of stood out. Passing yardage almost at 450 and then running yards at, at 50. Was there something that New York was doing that kind of pre- prevented you all from getting what you wanted to click on in the running game? Or was it just the adjustments that you were talking about earlier? Uh, you, we know we can get these guys through the year. Then I'll have one quick follow-up, Brad. But it'll be fun, I promise. we got a lot of follow-ups. That's good. Huh? Um, so so what, we're, what we looked at was we were coming in with a – <clears throat> top five run defense, and um, uh, they're pretty stout up front, do a nice job. Their scheme uh, allows them to uh, do that likewise. And um, and so we felt like whether it was the RPO game or um, that was attached to the run game, that um, that and or our throwing game, that short intermediate game would be uh, good. And so uh, we kind of leaned on those those areas, and and uh, it worked out okay. Yeah. And the follow up is: it, it seems like you were a very popular Halloween costume with the the week one outfit, the foggy face mask. Uh, they just you can't live it down, right? <laughs> uh, listen, that's all right. It, it's uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, humbling, right? Go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Andy, you guys lead the league in turnover differential right now, plus nine. You're, you're tied for having the most takeaways in the league with 14. Uh, from your perspective, just what have you appreciated most from your defensive coaching staff and how they've coached guys to be opportunistic in trying to get the ball? 
Well, they, they practice it, Nate, right? You're out there. You see that. I mean, they, they, uh, <clears throat> they hammer that point home and the guys believe in it and they're the ones executing it on the field. So uh, they believe in it. They, <clears throat> some of it's just being in the proper position to, to be able to either make an interception or not and, and understanding the defense. And so uh, there's a lot of hours that go in from a player standpoint on making sure they, they know that the scheme and uh, can take advantage of opportunities when the ball's in the air. So they've done a nice job and then tackling the football, <clears throat> still form tackling, but sliding your hat to the side of the ball, um, you know, has been helpful too. Go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach, I do have my Missouri Tiger shirt on for you, but yeah, I, I appreciate that. Too. I just saw Tiger in the background. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this might be a bit of an esoteric question for you on a Monday, but I, you've never been shy about looking to other teams and coaches for ideas on offense. I'm just curious, you know, who do you look to? I mean, is there anybody right now that you look at at the college level or other coaches in the league and, and think that there's ideas that you can pick up and learn from them? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I've got Joe Blameyer here who uh, does all the behind the scenes things uh, with all that. And <clears throat> he spends a tremendous amount of time going through everything from high school to college to the pro and just uh, gathering ideas. And then <clears throat> whether we rearrange the play or, or we sneak it into our playbook uh, as is, and uh, but it, it stimulates. It's uh, something that keeps you keeps you alive and current and um, uh, and then also helps uh, on the defensive side, kind of knowing what's coming forward uh, in, in the progression of offenses in this league. So, <clears throat> but I give, uh, I give a lot of credit to him and, uh, and how he, and how he goes about that and the hours that he spends there. So. Got time for a few more guys. We'll go right down the line, Robert, Todd, and then Breland, but Robert. Hey coach. So we've seen Chad Henney a few times late in games this year, and I know you're a guy that doesn't really take any lead in the NFL for granted. What are you yeah. looking for when you're trying to look to put in the second team into the game? Is it a certain score you're looking to hit or a certain time in the game? Robert, you know what? That last part cut out there. Just say that one more time. I oh, so what are you looking for when you're trying to determine what time, what when to put in the second unit? Is it a certain score, a certain time in the game? What are you looking for? Yeah, kind of movement on both sides. Um, just where we're at, the score obviously starts that thought process. But <clears throat> are you are you safe doing that and still, uh, you know, being able to get those guys an opportunity to play? And uh, you never know when they're going to be in the game playing uh, in a normal situation. Uh, uh, so. Um, and, and then listen, they all bust their tail during the week and it gives them an opportunity to, to feel a part of it. And, um, and so that, you know, all of that kind of goes into the thinking, I, I would tell you. Yeah. <clears throat> Good next to Todd Lebo. Good, Todd. Hey coach, I wonder if you could just speak to how kind of your defensive backfield has had to work through lots of different things this year with suspensions and injuries and, and all that and how, how well they've, ended up playing for you I, I missed uh this thing's cutting out for whatever reason I don't know what's going on say just give it to me one more time your defensive backfield with all the different changes and you know suspensions and injuries and, yeah. and how they've kind of battled through all of that and continued to kind of get the job done for you 
Yeah, they, they've done a nice job. Um, Dave Merritt, Sam, uh, they've, they've, um, they've done a nice job of keeping everything together and, and teaching all the young guys and the veteran players, uh, um, you know, I think they've done, they've done that well. And, and the guys all trust each other and they've, they've, he, they've worked them in a little bit like what we talk more about when Andy Heck moves the offensive line around, they do the same thing in the secondary. <clears throat> and so when a guy has an opportunity to jump in, it's not foreign. It's uh, um, the, the player feels comfortable with it. And, and most of all the guys around them feel comfortable with it. And they're at that position, you've got to have great communication. So um you know, that, that becomes very important that they're, they have trust in each other there. Go to Breland Moore for the last one. Go to Breland. Hey, good morning, Andy. Um, I know that you have talked about this several times throughout the course of the summer, but now that we are 24 hours removed away from the election and you're starting to, I'm sure, see the kind of the setup going on and it's becoming a little more real. Just how proud are you of your guys that they really led this charge to, to get that type of change done? Yeah, so I, I think it's it's neat um, that they've been able to do it right here um, at the stadium. And <clears throat> to, there were a lot of things that had to go right uh, to get that done. And um, uh, a lot of it had to do, first of all, with the players having a plan. Second of all, presenting it to management and ownership. And then the, those people in ownership and management supporting them. So Clark Hunt, Mark Donovan have uh, gone above and beyond to support the players. And that's what team's all about. So there's great respect there. And that's the part I appreciate uh, the most, um, just how everybody pulled together to uh, jointly get this thing done. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You just heard from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, and now we continue on with the president of the Chiefs, Mark Donovan. First of all, let me say thank you to all the people who helped make today possible. A lot of effort at every stage of this process. Um, the election board, in uh, specifically, in just helping us identify the obstacles and then identifying ways to get over those obstacles. Um, I would tell you that um, I've been here since about 5:45 this morning, and it is absolutely the most efficient voting polling station I've ever been involved in. So hopefully for those people who are in line and can vote here, 
go to chiefs.com, check your zip code and come here because it's really efficient. So it's been a good, good morning so far. With that, I'll take your questions. Let's go first to Herbie Teope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, good morning, Mark. Thank you for taking a moment from this busy day. You opened at 06, and I'm wondering the general impressions and the feedback that you got from the crowd for Arrowhead being a polling station. And then lastly, I noticed Coach Andy Reid was there at, at 630 to vote. Uh, how many other people from uh, the organization used Arrowhead as, as their voting place? So let me start with the first part of your question. Um, so 0600, you know, I haven't been at a lot of polling stations as they opened the uh, – the gates, but uh, I don't think there were very, very many around the city or around the country where people were cheering as they walked in the door. Um, I think it has something to do with being at the stadium, um, but it was a pretty energetic uh, atmosphere out there. There were a lot of people in line. They, they poured in. Um, one of the big benefits we have here is the space. The fact that we can do most of our lines indoors um, and there's a lot of space to obviously socially distance. And then we, uh, with all the new machines, we have over 40 machines. That's what I've been doing all morning is getting people from registration to the voting machines. And there's just a plenty to, to utilize. So um, in terms of Andy and others who have voted here, um, so I've been the one, one of the team of people who've been taking people from registration to voting. So I've actually been able to interact with a lot of our uh, employees and thank them for voting. And, you know, we've had every level of the, uh, of the organization here um, one of them in particular was a security guard who literally just got off work from working the night shift, rolled over, got to vote, and got out of here. So really efficient and really working better than expected. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, good morning, Mark. Um, I had a, a ticket question for you today. Um, can you just give us a sense of how through four home games that whole experience is going from the team perspective? Any regrets? Uh, why 22%? is the optimum uh, seems to be the sweet spot there. And, and Brad, I'll have one quick follow-up too. Uh, so the ticket process has been uh, very interesting for us because it's such uncharted territory. We uh, initially proposed uh, close to 31% capacity to Dr. Archer. Um, again, another person that we've really spent a lot of time with and again, been educated uh, just of how the medical side looks at this and how do we make it as safe as possible. So through those discussions got down to 22. Um, I don't think there's a real magic number in 22 to 31. It's really about being as socially distant as possible in the, in the stands. Big, big advantage that we have a couple of them actually. The first is obviously an outdoor stadium, um, which plays into it. And then being able to test all of our suite holders was a big plus. So that helped us with capacity. Um, in terms of the process, there are a lot of learnings. Um, really proud of the team. We were obviously the first in the league to do this because of the first game. But um, as I've said before, we, we knew we were on a stage that was being closely monitored by not only our league, but other leagues on how this was going to work. And to be able to do it as successfully as we've done so far, um, again, takes a lot of operational expertise in new space for us all. Um, so that, that's been really the, the process. One learning that we took away from it, which um, I would tell you that we didn't really see this when we put the projections out, but it's been pretty clear to us is the pod sizes of each individual group has ebbed and flowed. So, I, you know, there's a theory, at least internally with us, that that'll continue to change as people get more comfortable or less comfortable if we have spikes, if we don't have spikes, that, you know, for the most part, what the feedback we've gotten is, 
I'm comfortable in my pod, my four, my two, my six, whatever it is. Um, and what we've seen trending is those pods are get, have gotten smaller from the beginning. They're starting to get bigger. Uh, we'll see what happens with Thanksgiving if we have any spikes after that. But we do hope that those pods will continue to get bigger because that'll actually give us the ability to get even closer to that 22%. Uh, when you're dealing with pods and trying to stick them into places, there's social distance that create capacity issues for us. So uh, that's probably the biggest learning we took away from it. Um, the final point I'll make to that, Adam, is you know the the compliance and the adherence by our fans has been really good. Um, we there's always going to be exceptions, and we've managed those as well as we possibly could. Um, but the key is that we're trying to provide a safe venue so people can have Arrowhead experience and Chiefs football live and in person. And a lot of that is on our fans. And we've said from the beginning. A plan is only good as compliance, and uh, they've done a really good job with it. Okay. And um, my next question is, assuming there's going to be one or more playoff games played at Arrowhead this year, can you say definitively yet that tickets will be sold for those games, whatever the capacity might be? I think in 2020, it's hard to say anything definitively. Um, we fully plan and expect to be at least 22% capacity. And we're working through a lot of different scenarios right now to make sure that if the opportunity presents itself, we're able to capitalize on that and get even more of our fans into Arrowhead. Let's go next to Matt McMullen. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Mark. Um, so there's been so much planning in this, like, you, uh, like you've like you mentioned, so many people involved, uh, coordination trying to make today a reality. But now that it's actually happening, you're seeing it in action. So what's this mean to you and the organization? Uh, the biggest thing that comes across is just the pride. You know, it, this is such a great example of an organization just working together. I mean, you guys have heard the story. We started with um, what our platform is going to be to try to address COVID and social justice. It all sort of converged at the same time on us. And we sat with our players and said, where do you guys want to focus our time? Where do we want to focus our resources? What do we want to make a priority? Um, and we came out of that meeting with three priorities, the first being voting. Um, the second being finding ways to support local minority businesses, and the third being trying to do something more that we already do with City Year and other programs in the education uh, area, just because of what COVID is doing to those areas. And that turned into um, three different tiers of focus, but specifically on voting, you know, we started with how do we create awareness? How do we make sure people are aware that their vote matters? And how do we get that message out there? And how do we support that with our platform, both the Chiefs platform and the players' individual platforms? That turned to, once you got to awareness, an education of how to register to vote. So a ton of work done with Rise to Vote, a ton of work done with the league. Uh, you saw the video of Patrick and Tyron standing in front of our whole, our whole team, all of our coaches during training camp and just sharing their personal experience and how important it was to them and, and really just sharing um, that they can be a part of this and everybody in the room should be a part of it. And then, you know, all of those things were done early on and we kept sort of meeting and talking about things that we could do. And the idea of, well, could we vote at Arrowhead came up in a meeting and that launched the whole campaign to try to make it a reality. Um, I will share with you that, a lot of those meetings were great on paper. You walk out of there going, it makes perfect sense. Let's go. We got a lot of space. That's where the election board came in, and a lot of different people helped us through that process. Um, that process 
culminated in not too long ago, the election board saying that uh, although it's a great idea, there are just too many hurdles. And uh, we finally had to go to them and say, what's it going to take? Um, and that's really what launched the idea of purchasing new machines. And so we, the Chiefs organization, the Hunt family, and Patrick Mahomes and his 15 of the Mahomes um, Foundation came together and said, well, if that's what it's going to take, we're committed to this point, let's go. So six-figure investment by us that not only will legitimately impact the community today, but will impact this community for years and years to come, hopefully 10 years to come, where these machines will continue to be used. And then I'll finally say, for anybody who's been here today, anybody who comes out today, if you experience voting at Arrowhead, I think they're going to want this to be a polling location for a long time to come. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Mark, good to see you. You actually answered um, one of my questions about the future, but I, I do have two for you. Um, first is, do you, does the organization know how many people were able to register through the Chiefs program? And then, Brad, I'll have a follow-up. So I'd answer that question a couple of ways. One, um, er, late in the process, we really focused on awareness of who could actually vote here. We didn't want situations where people coming out here not being able to vote and creating more of a problem. So that's when um, we got really aggressive on our website with information. Specifically, if you go to chiefs.com slash vote right now, just look at the zip codes. If you're in those zip code and you're a registered voter, you can vote here. Um, so that was the first piece. Secondly, we didn't do the math on exactly how many people could potentially vote here. Uh, we just said, what we went to the election board and said, what do you think the capacity should be? And then we expanded beyond that. I will tell you that we've got plenty of staff. We've got plenty of machines. Um, I haven't seen any lines yet out here today. And I, I drove by a couple lines at 5.30 this morning in various spots where they're already out the, out the um, facility and down the street. Um, and then finally, I would tell you, I think um, between 500 and 1,000 people have already voted here. Um, and like I said, we could take a lot more. So hopefully people will hear that and come out here. And then secondly, Mark, um, a couple guys exploring this on Zooms, you know, during the weeks, um, it appears that some guys voted absentee in their home states. Uh, is that the case? Is there a percentage of guys who would vote, say, today in the Kansas City, Missouri area? Or did most players vote already early in terms of absentee ballots? Yeah, Nate, I don't have real specifics on that one. In talking to the players, a number of them are registered in their home states. So they've done uh, what they need to do to vote absentee. Uh, mostly what I've seen here is staff. Obviously, we're in game prep. So, um, you know, Andy was here when I got here. He voted. I know we had a few people vote then. Um, but then once we got into the, our normal game day schedule, it's going to be tough for them to get here until this afternoon. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Mark, thanks for your time. Uh, you talked a little bit about the future, but, you know, specifically, how do you hope and envision this going forward? Is is Arrowhead as a voting place, you think, possible and likely for all elections or just certain elections? Um, and, you know, could it expand further? I mean, would you like to see all Jackson County residents being able to vote at Arrowhead? Yeah, we'll work with the election board. Um, on exactly how we can expand and what makes the most sense in terms of how many elections. We actually were having that conversation earlier today uh, in between uh, voting um, activities. And if, like I said, if, if 
if you actually come here and see what we're doing and how we're doing it, there's a lot of interest in utilizing this a lot more. Um, it will come down to schedules. It will come down to, um, you know, making sure that we have availability here on those days. Um, I think, as you know, we've, we've shut the offices today. So all that conversation I was having with myself about uh, being in game day mode, we're actually not in game day mode today because we gave the guys a day, a day off. Um, the, um, the reality is that we, we've already had discussions and we'll continue to have discussions about using it again. The commitment that we made to purchase the machines is something we want to utilize. So um, as much as these machines can be utilized, we want to do that. Looks like we've got four more hands up. We'll go right down the line, starting with Darren. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, Mark, I'm going to take a point of journalistic uh, privilege on this. I want to thank you, first of all, for what you all did. I know back in August when we spoke to you, I pressed you on it, and you didn't want to reveal the plans about using Arrow at the time, but I'm thankful that you did and glad that you did. Um, but I have, I have two questions. I'm going to ask this first one first. But the last time we spoke, I asked you about the fact that Hy-Vee didn't have stores in the third and fifth districts. I would like to know where you all are at with those conversations with Hy-Vee regarding the food deserts. And if nothing comes to those conversations, what is the organization willing to do to see any partnership, whether it's Hy-Vee, Price Chop, or other businesses, reflect not only the bottom line of the Chiefs, but the fans and community it calls home? Or should there be an organized boycott of Hy-Vee until they do? And then I have a, another question for you. Well, Darren, you went a lot of different directions there. So <laughs> let me first say thank you for um, asking the question originally and getting that out there. Um, as I said at that time, we felt confident that we were going to have Arrowhead as a polling vote uh, location. But given all the obstacles that we knew of, and then if you add all the other obstacles that uh, we encountered as we go, I'm, I'm just really, really happy that we're here today. Um, in terms of the food desert and the challenges that uh, really – are east of Troost and, and locations that we've done a lot of research on. Um, one of our focuses as an organization, those three pillars is those local minority businesses. So not specifically to grocery and food desert, um, but we are in discussions right now with two different organizations that we're gonna make some donations to and then talk to our players about matching either donations or doing things with their social platforms to create awareness of some of these minority owned businesses and, and some are food restaurant related. Um, that are in that corridor that, you know, have the challenges of competing in a business to begin with, and then the challenge of COVID and what that does to so many businesses. So that's a real focus of those three pillars that I talked about. Um, and then specifically to Hy-Vee, I'm just going to reiterate uh, what I said the last time we had this discussion, which is I know Hy-Vee and others have had a lot of discussions about making efforts in the, in the food desert, in that corridor. Um, I was on a conversation earlier uh, last week actually with John Bluford, who has, a, has done a ton of work with Truman, former CEO there, has done a ton of work in that community. And, and I know there are a lot of conversations going on. I am not privy to the decisions or plans that Hy-Vee or others are having, but uh, I know it's something that as we are made aware of them, we're gonna to continue to try to find ways to support them. And then last week I asked Patrick, what's next following the election to which he said, and I quote, we are actually, we are actually going to be able to have to meet with Mark Donovan here either this week or next week to continue to strive to get more black owned businesses, the support they need. I think with this meeting that we're going to have with Mark, he's already had a lot of great ideas that he's learned from people in the community that are out there firsthand and making change happen. Now you mentioned earlier about supporting minority owned business. Sometimes the political ear of mine means, you know, white women, because that's considered a minority. So what does that support look like? Have you made or will you be making a spending commitment or policy to invest in locally black owned businesses to make sure that Patrick's words have meaning and action behind them? 
Yeah, I think you make a very good point. And that's something we've learned as we've gone through this process that um, there are a lot of different organizations trying to support minority businesses. And then you get into the specifics of how you define minority and then what businesses are, are getting funded. We've actually been educated in terms of there are certain businesses in the minority uh, business world that have the ability to get banked by normal banks. There are a lot of businesses that don't. And we're trying to thread that needle. We're trying to make sure that we're doing things to support across a pretty broad base. Uh, but we have been made well aware of some of the, um, the issues that have been raised uh, in the community, in the urban community, about support organizations and where they're putting their money. And we've been educated by the experts, the people in the community. So what Patrick referenced was um, the conversations that myself and Sharp and others have had uh, with leaders in this, in this community who are in the space. So um, we take it very seriously. We take it as a responsibility to try to do it the right way. Uh, we are close to uh, finalizing two different donations to two different organizations that are in the community. And those specifically, we've had that conversation and talked about trying to find ways that we can even target our donations, our support to true um, local minority black owned businesses. Um, and that came up with our players. And that's something that they brought to us and said, that's an important distinction. And that's something we'll continue to focus to do. We've got three more. We'll go Todd, Stephen, and Sam to close it out. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Mark, you've been in this league for a long time, and I know there's been, you know, there's unrest a few years ago. Uh, I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth about being proud or anything, but how much, I guess, enthusiasm do you see on the organization side across the league, not just in Kansas City, on actually working with players and coming together and doing some of these, these things instead of being kind of adversarial like it seemed like it was a few years ago? Yeah, um, Clark said something early on in this process about, um, you know, there hasn't been a 2019, there hasn't been a 2020. Our times are very different uh, than they've been in the past. And we're, we're all in a different space. Uh, one of the things that really resonated with me and with others in our organization about the platforms we picked and specifically the voting platform was in this day and age with all the discord to be able to find a platform that everyone in our organization can get behind, that is nonpartisan, that is about getting people to express and use their voice to make their choice. And Patrick said it really well the other day. All, all we're promoting is go get registered and vote, use your voice. Make your decision for you personally, but use your voice. Um, and I've said this to you guys before, we're an organization, but we're a family. And the thing about families is we, and we're an example of this, we've got representatives on all ends of the spectrum from a political standpoint, from all kinds of different standpoints. So trying to find some platform that we could all get behind um, is not always easy. And this one really resonated with a lot of our players, a lot of our organization. I would tell you that to your energy point, um, you know, the energy around this project in our building has been really off the charts. And again, in the space we're in right now, when you've got 200 plus employees and many of them in that younger generation, they are looking for ways to be helpful. They're looking ways to participate and be active. And in that demographic, we've got a wide spectrum of views. This is a great place where they can come together at a time when it's really hard for us physically uh, to come together. Uh, it's been, there's been a lot of energy in the building and there's a lot of real uh, joy uh, today in the staff that have been working here since about 3.30 this morning. Let's go next to Steve Walls. Go ahead, Steve. 
Hey, Mark, uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, you talked about guys using their platform and the organization getting behind, you know, those guys, especially Tyron and, and also Patrick. But there, there's been some some a little bit of pushback. Uh, and I'd like to know, you know, what your message is to, to those fans who just want your organization and, and your players to just stick to sports uh, because they say that, that sports and politics don't go together. Yeah, I think our players have done a better job than I could do on that point. Um, when the, when the video came out uh, this summer from the players really calling out the league, um, you know, the message we provided that day is still the message that we live by, which is we support our players, we love our players, and we're proud of them. Um, now, as I said to the point about family, there are players in our locker room at every end of the spectrum. So uh, we have the same discussions internally that are happening uh, in, the, in the broader media space. Um, and there's going to be opinions on all sides. Um, we respect those. Um, and we're going to continue to try to find platforms like this that we believe are truly nonpartisan. And we'll go last to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Mark. Thanks for doing this. Um, I wonder just if you could give us a glimpse of what your day today looks like. I mean, you said you get out there at 545. What are your sort of assignments? What are, what are you doing out there today? Um, so it's, it's interesting. So I drove past my polling station at about 530, the place I typically go vote, and the line was completely out the door all the way down the street. So I was happy to come out here. Um, the first thing I did was I voted. Um, and I got to actually go through the process that I was going to help manage. So I voted here. And, um, and then what I've done is I've become, um, I think we're called election judges. Um, so I'm actually a part of a team of a number of people who are, once a person comes and registers, they get the ticket to vote, they give us the ticket, we then go to the machine, explain how the machine works, explain how the ballot works, and make sure that everything is correct in that process. And then we make sure that that voter gets to the ballot box and actually puts their own ballot in the box. So um, I've done a little bit of uh, walking around cheerleading and thanking um, for the people who have been here a lot longer and will be here a lot longer than I, I am and will. Um, and I've done a lot of conversations, had a lot of conversations with people who have worked numerous uh, elections in this community and first of all, thank them for what they do. But secondly, just try to get educated on you know what we're doing, what we could do better, what's different. And as I've said pretty consistently on this call, the overwhelming response has been we got to vote here more often. This is, a, this is a great setup, and we wish more people knew about it today. Um, so, again, uh, the one message I would ask for your, everyone's help on in this one is we've had a great turnout. We've had people pretty steady through here, but we've got a lot more capacity. So if you, uh, if you are eligible to vote at Arrowhead, uh, please come out. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.